0: My name is Dr. Bart Precourt. Welcome to the Health Made Simple podcast. These podcasts will help you create simple strategies and simple habits so you can get back to being the best version of yourself. Hey everyone and welcome to the Health Made Simple podcast. And I got a big topic for you today and this is all about weight loss, but real specifically about weight loss resistance. And if you're wondering what that is, is, is and I'll go into this deeper in just a moment here in, in our podcast. Yet weight loss resistance is when you feel as though you've got yourself a good diet and you've been, you know, you've been following along on it, you've been staying the course for a long period of time, and you're also exercising. But for the life of you, you're either at a plateau, you're stuck, but you cannot lose weight. And weight loss resistance is a real thing. So this is something I wanna dive into today. And there's really three different areas that we're gonna tackle it. We're gonna talk about the insulin dilemma is what I call it, the impact of stress and more specifically sympathetic dominance. We'll talk all about what that is and if you're in it and what to do about it. And then also cellular toxicity. And there's one we gotta dive a little bit deeper because oftentimes when it comes to weight loss, we rule out the fact that we could be really toxic on a cellular level. So, let's 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 get right back to the beginning and and maybe the most important thing we can do when it comes to weight loss is make sure we have the right goal in mind. And you well you're going to say, you know, hey, my goal is to lose weight. But unfortunately, just the goal of losing weight will not sustain itself. Because just losing weight, there's, the reality is that we we rarely get comfortable at a particular weight. We always want another pound because we're always comparing ourselves to a different version of ourselves or to someone else. So, with that being said, let's make sure that and, and listen. And getting to your ideal weight, it's it's important. Let's not it's let's not you know ignore the white elephant in the room. We all should have an ideal functional weight what that weight should be, we don't really know, at least most of us don't know, unless you just continue to live a good, healthy, you know, vibrant life on a regular basis. So we wanna establish the right mindset, and the mindset is, how do I get really, really, really healthy? How do I get to the best version of myself, a highly functioning state, and then end up at my ideal weight? Which usually means, quite frankly, uh, that you're going to lose weight. So let's start off with understanding insulin. So if you're, not, if you're not familiar with what insulin is, is insulin is technically, it is your fat storage hormone. And here's the way it works. When we eat carbohydrates, when we eat sugars, for the most part, really all food is converted to something called glucose. So when we have glucose in the body, especially in abundance we end up creating what we call high blood sugar levels. Once you have high blood sugar levels, this is something your body doesn't want. And as a result of it, it releases a hormone because it wants to protect you from creating all kinds of inflammation in your body. It releases this hormone called insulin. Insulin goes out into the bloodstream, grabs onto the sugar, and then stores it into a fat cell. And that is how we essentially gain weight. So if we have a lot of carbohydrates, your body your blood sugar goes up and then your body releases insulin. And just you know, and that's in, in in a weird way, it's really healthy that you do that because insulin is a very I'm sorry, sugar is a very poor burning fuel source. So sugar causes inflammation in the body, so the insulin is actually trying to protect you from creating all kinds of inflammation and downregulating your body, which leads to all kinds of different diseases. So with that being said, I call it the hidden insulin dilemma. And this shows up in all kinds of places. Let's talk about one of the, the big elephants in the room, and it is alcohol at night, a glass of wine. I have so many clients, especially down here where I live, so many clients and uh, you know people that I'm helping, taking care of, even friends for that matter, that they have impeccable diets and they exercise every day and they're doing all the right things and they can't seem to break through or lose those extra pounds they are looking for. But when we dive deeper, we find out, oh, they just have that, you know, I just have one glass of wine at night and that might be enough, even though it's not a high caloric intake. If... One of the insulin dilemmas is just the timing of when we produce insulin. If you are producing insulin or you are increasing your blood sugar, let's just say at the end of the night, you've slowed down, you're not using much, you're not burning up much calories, you're not using your body much, but you go to bed and you have that one glass of wine. When we do that, of course, wine converts to sugar, we have more sugar in our blood, we have high blood sugar and your body, Releases insulin right before you go to bed, so therefore you then store fat right before you go to bed, and if you're trying to lose weight to become the best version of yourself in terms of you know metabolic function. That by itself is just kind of this hidden dilemma that's taking place. That I think oftentimes we overlook because it seems kind of innocent. That you know we just have that one glass of wine, and that that listen that wine could be a little bit of ice cream. It could be anything that increases that blood sugar at night. So just be mindful of that because sometimes that's hiding in there. And there's other snacks you can have a good fat snack or a fat bomb. Um, there's other options that we have there. But if you're eating sugar right before you go to bed there's a good chance that that can happen. Now, there's other things that causes insulin dilemma. And one of the things I see happening all the time is that someone has a really good diet, but they're eating all the time. They're constantly snacking. The challenge here is that if you're always supplying your body with food, even if it's a good fuel source, you got good vegetables and good animal proteins and good fats, the challenge by always providing it with that source of fuel All of these foods still eventually get converted to glucose. And again, glucose is going to increase our blood sugar. And then again, we get that response of insulin being released out. And then we store fat. If you're always burning glucose, if your body is always using glucose and or sugar for fuel, then your body never needs to burn fat for fuel. So you're going to either use one fuel source or another, and that's why you hear so much about the ketogenic diet now and intermittent fasting, which I'm going to dive into a little bit on this on this podcast, not full-blown, but just at least a little bit so we have that understanding. So eating at night, our snacks, our alcohol, and they all count, um, and eating too frequently are some of the biggest hidden causes of what I call the insulin dilemma. So that's an easy one for you to fix, though. Take out some snacks, just have your primary meals, stop eating late at night. And then, you know, uh, one of the simple things is just take days off. If you have a glass of wine every night, take days off. So maybe you have five days off and two nights that you drink. But one of the bigger reasons I see people create, and, and I think we end up creating it over time, is something uh Uh, that a lot of us have. And I think if you don't think you have it, it's probably just you're ignoring it and that's stress. So stress has the X factor in all things health. So no matter what you're dealing with your health, stress is always an X factor. But in terms of weight loss resistance, there's something when you are stuck in what we call sympathetic dominance. So your nervous system has really two different systems by, by which it operates one sympathetic nervous system that is your that's your fight or flight that's your go 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 that's that's the energy that you use on a regular basis to operate your day to be productive to go to get exercise in, to be creative, all of those things, that's the part of your nervous system that's called sympathetic. your sympathetic nervous system. The opposite of that is something called your parasympathetic activity and or parasympathetic nervous system. That is your rest and digest. That's your recover, rebuild. That is your ability to, that's when we are able to become more fertile and pregnant. That's when our hormones are released and that's when our body rebuilds itself and it's a lot different than, so parasympathetic and sympathetic are completely opposite. And the, and what happens, is you can only operate one at a time. So in the event that you're always on the go, you start to stick into this, what's called sympathetic dominance. And here's the challenge. So sometimes, you might very well need a nap, but you keep going. So your body starts to release a stress hormone, your fight or flight hormone called cortisol. And this is, this is where the root of the issues is, especially with weight loss. You could have exercised, you could have been eating right, but you just don't slow down. There's so many of us out there. I used to be that way, now I really value that downtime, the ability to shut it off. If you stay in sympathetic dominance all the time, inevitably you start to use your fight or flight hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is a toxic hormone. It's critical for us to have it and very healthy levels of it in our body. But if you use it all the time, here's what happens. And pay attention to this. So if you have high stress, if you are just always on the go, and a lot of us don't, don't think our lives are very stressful because maybe you have a very blessed life, life, but you just don't slow down. The fuel that you typically use to keep that motor running all the time is cortisol. Cortisol, the way it's worked used, used in the body is that you're starting to run low on energy based on the needs that you have. So your body releases this cortisol, almost as if it's acting like a Red Bull, and the cortisol gets sent over into the liver, and the liver releases sugar. So cortisol, although it's a fight or flight hormone, the way that it gives us energy is by releasing more sugar back into the bloodstream. And then that the, then the sequence of events, the hidden dilemma of insulin pops back up, and then, then insulin's release, which is a fat storage hormone. So this constant go, 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 by itself is something that is keeping people from losing weight, which sometimes I know people want to pull their hair out because they say, look, I exercise, I run, I eat right. But that that mentality right there, I see it a mile away when it's coming into my office, that, that mentality of this is all, I'm doing this right, I'm doing this right, I'm, I'm, I'm working out, I'm exercising if that's you, understand we've got to slow it down just a little bit because more than likely you're starting to use cortisol, which really means that we're starting, there's a good chance you could start to be producing something called adrenal dysfunction or or maybe even worse, even adrenal fatigue. And what that happens, and w- w- the way that this shows up is this, if this is you, then we need a timeout and we have to create some some different parameters of how to get your body healthy again so we're not releasing cortisol all the time. So if you have these symptoms and just kind of follow here, if you're exercising yet the following day, you feel as though your exercise is making you more sore and it almost seems as though you're not benefiting from your exercise, but because you're either continue to gain weight, even though you got a good diet, you're exercising, eating right, and you might even be gaining weight more than likely you have adrenal dysfunction. You are producing cortisol all the time and or your body's not producing it at the right times. So, soreness is a big one. Another one is getting that second wind at night. You know you're tired, you haven't slept good, you you just kinda you use your willpower, you're kinda struggling through the day but you're getting stuff done anyways. And then all of a sudden when you should be exhausted at night, you're getting a little tired, a little sleepy and boom you wake up and now all of a sudden you're wired and that you might even say, oh, this is when I'm the most productive. That is a signal that there's a good chance that you have adrenal dysfunction, that your cortisol is, the levels of cortisol are high at night. So I think a lot of people have a misperception about cortisol as it's like bad for us. It's not bad. In fact, it is part of your body's, you know, save my life mechanism. It is your fight or flight hormone. The challenge here is that, we often have an imbalance. We're supposed to have super high available source for us in the morning, so when we wake up, if we have a good amount of cortisol in our body, then we have the availability to have a lot of energy and mental clarity. But as the day goes, that cortisol availability should be less and less. And by the end of the night, when we're trying to go to sleep, it should almost be at zero. So if you're getting that second when if you're getting soreness after your workouts, you feel like your workouts are kind of make, you know, digging you a little bit deeper, then that's not a good sign. So if you're using a lot of this willpower and you're on the go, 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 and you're trying to do more, not less, then the little red light has to go, the red flag has to go up and say, okay, what do we need to do here? So so here, in, the other challenge here is if you are now being interrupted because you get that second bump at night and your sleep is being interrupted, we have a cascade of events now taking place. Whether it be alcohol interrupting REM or cortisol Interrupting your REM. Either way, if so, if you have sugar at night, uh, there's good, especially alcohol. If you go to bed at night and you have some alcohol, sure, it'll help you fall asleep. But unfortunately, you don't go deep into REM, and there, that's a problem because if you don't go deep into REM, your body doesn't produce the normal cascade of of hormones starting with growth hormone. That's usually that 12 to 2 o'clock or two, you know, 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. And if you don't produce the growth hormone, then you're not going to produce the downstream hormones like testosterone. And those are our greatest fat-burning hormones that we have. The same thing that can occur when we have that second bump at night or an imbalanced cortisol levels, dysfunctional adrenals. If all of a sudden you wake up middle night and you're craving sweets, part of that could be because we have this imbalance of blood sugar caused by the cortisol because the cortisol is always requesting the liver to release sugar. And when it releases that, and when it runs out of that sugar, it sends another message and you're wide awake in the middle of the night. So for those dysfunctions, if that sounds like you, it's not about more exercise, and I'm and i and I'm often, for those people getting more and more sore from their workouts, clinically, I actually have people slow down to a bare minimum of exercise, sticking to things like yoga or walking or riding a bike, but no more tissue breakdown, because if it's getting harder for you to repair the tissue, that tells me your adrenals can no longer keep up with the demands that your body has. So there's a lot of ways that we can help them out. There There's a test you can do. I I run it on, you know, a, a majority of my nutritional clients, and it's called an ASI test, an adrenal stress index test. Um, it's an at-home saliva test. It's a fantastic way to measure what your what your adrenals are producing through the day. This gives you a crystal clear per, you know, a picture of how much cortisol you have in the morning, in the mid-morning, the afternoon, and then before bed. So that's a great starting point if you're wondering do I have adrenal dysfunction? Doesn't mean you have adrenal fatigue, but you might. And adrenal fatigue means you're you're probably not even exercising at that point. But if you're having dysfunction, that will have to be addressed because that absolutely will be a, a clincher when it comes to trying to lose weight. It'll be very difficult when you're in adrenal dysfunction to have any kind of, you know, sustainable weight loss goals. Uh, there's other great herbs I use to help your adrenals. Uh, Ashwagandha is fantastic. Um, there's other ones like Rumania, a little echinacea for your immune system. But no matter what these are, I'll encourage you at this point, instead of dabbling, if you if this is your category and you know you fall into this, even though you would benefit from just starting taking Ashwagandha and Rumania, and you know, there's a lot of other good adrenal products. I use a lot of desiccated adrenals. It really seems to help you real quickly. Make sure that you 're working with someone uh, I, when it comes to your health don 't dabble you, you know invest in yourself, invest the time and energy, find a practitioner or a you know clinical nutritionist like myself, a functional medicine doctor. someone that has been down this road can can help you identify a target and then also move you through that process all right so the next one so that was a little bit you know that 's insulin and cortisol and stress, and those all kind of tying together. This next one is often where people really have a sticking point when it comes to weight loss resistance and this is probably a true resistance to weight loss because the body doesn't want to release any toxins because it's toxic on a cellular level and it's called I call it cellular toxicity and this this happens so if you can almost picture in your mind a cell the outer wall of a cell is the fat part. So that outer layer, that's the protective part of a cell. And that's where all our good um, fat-soluble vitamins are, like vitamin A and D and E and K. Those make up the wall. That is your defense mechanism. That is what protects uh, the outside, you know, the inside from the outside. That fatty wall right there, that is also what's gonna help things transfer in and out of the cell. If that Fatty, that lipid layer around your cell has become toxic over time. Most likely, a good diet isn't going to be enough. You're going to have to be able to do some things to get that lipid layer to start to either... be gone by getting rid of it, by making it, you know, kind of kill it off and or to flush it or clean it out. So what happens is, uh, and I think it's important for us to understand how does that lipid layer, because I have people in my office that have impeccable diets and that might be you. I mean, they're to a point where there's nothing that they're intentionally eating that is toxic, goes in their body, hundred percent organic and only good sources and yet they still can't lose weight and or they're gaining weight. And this can happen when that cellular layer, that lipid layer has become toxic. And these are some of the hidden ones, but they're real and we can't ignore them even if they're old one, things like bad fats. What are bad fats? Bad fats like canola oil, vegetable oils, and that's in freaking everything. And we have been eating these since we've been little and they accumulate within the body. It does not happen because you had one French fry, but things like French fries, like donuts, like salad dressings. These all potato chips. These all have canola oil, vegetables, bad fats that get stuck in that lipid layer. And as a result of that, they're kind of stuck there and your body doesn't know what to do with them. That lipid layer is also part of your immune system. So if a toxin comes into the body and the body doesn't know what to do with it, it holds on to it. But that's not where it ends. That'd be the easy part if that was only that was the only thing. Now for the last you know decade and a half, we've had to deal with a whole new set of chemicals like glyphosate, which is in, you know, uh, that's really Roundup, which is in all these GMO foods. The chemicals that we've been consuming for the last 10 to 15 years, as a result of all these genetically modified foods, it's, it's an insane level. And it's even for guys and girls like my... Or men and women like myself doing clinical nutrition. We can't keep up with how many toxins are coming into the body. And that, that's also what clouds that lipid layer. So it's non-stop. So I know... You know it seems so easy for us to go into the grocery store and look at you know an orange just big huge orange that looks bright and orangey that's a genetically modified orange versus an organic one you see this little rinky dinky one and of course we want to go for the big one we think no big deal it's just an orange well yeah an orange is not an orange anymore if it's a genetically modified organism then we have now chemicals within that food that we are now digesting is going right into this lipid layer. And that right there is enough. So we got to really be mindful of what's taking place, especially with something called glyphosate. And then, so that's all the GMOs. And then we have other stuff like heavy metals, which we're getting from all kinds of different sources that are coming into our body. A lot of them are unknown. And then another one that I think is often just ignored, overlooked, you know, it's just one of those things because we just kind of accept it because we use them so often, and that's medications and drugs. And here's the challenge that, again, anything that comes into our bodies that is foreign, that is toxic, that your body doesn't know what to do with it. Part of the way that our body, our immune system handles that is by storing it into a fat cell. So I know we all want to get rid of fat cells, but listen, our fat cells are part of our immune system. They are there to protect us. If we have, you know, all kinds of very, you know, filled up large fat cells, it's because there's a lot of toxicity built up within the body. And it could be caused because we're taking in a lot of toxicity, or it could be caused because our bodies are no longer a good filtering or digestive mechanisms. So this kind of twofold here. So what do we do about it? What are, what are the options that we have here? So many of you at this point have at least heard about the concept of intermittent fasting. When you have cellular toxicity, one of the beauties that I'm, one of the, what I think the best strategy to start with, if you just wanna do it on your own, intermittent fasting is really when we just take a block of time And we don't put any food into our body. And as a result of doing this, the the simplest, one of the best benefits is simply by intermittent fast. Let's just say you do a 12-hour intermittent fast. Six o'clock in the night, is the last time you eat. So six o'clock in the morning, you have no food in between that that time frame. Maybe eight o'clock at night, eight o'clock in the morning, but 12 hours. And it's just a starting point. If there's nothing there, those toxic cells, those ones that have the polluted lipid layers, they are actually weaker cells than the good robust ones that don't have as many toxins. So what happens is you starve them. You starve them to death, and that's what we call autophagy. That is natural cell death. That is probably my absolute favorite reason for everyone to do phases of intermittent fasting, different time periods and different lengths and for different seasons. And I'm gonna touch on that a little bit because I think that we're getting some of it uh, a little confused in how we use it as a strategy. And that's really what it is. Intermittent fasting becomes a phenomenal strategy for us. I don't think of it as a weight loss strategy. I think it as a cleaning the house strategy. And that, if we have that mentality, how do I clean the house? Maybe you have an insulin dilemma, like it's a hidden one. You can clear that up. Just, you know, cut out some of the wine at night, cut out the ice cream, etc. Maybe you have a stress issue yes, then we have to start to kind of get in a little bit more rhythm with the natural circadian rhythm. We have to balance out the adrenals. And again, I think that's probably easier to identify. You run yourself a cortisol test. You see if you're imbalanced, get that stuff cleared up, get with a practitioner and very predictable for the most part. We can't manage, We can't predict stress, but we can predict what we can do for things like your adrenal system. Yet the cellular toxicity, if we are toxic in that lipid layer, we have to have a strategy to kill off those cells. It's no longer just about feeding the body good stuff. That should be a given. So intermittent fasting can be a phenomenal strategy by starving off the weak cells. So the weak cells die first. So in the beginning, I usually try to encourage my peeps to go 12 hours intermittent fasting. And then when you have your meals, it's meals only and no snacking. And just to start, so you can start to get in the rhythm of not always putting food into your body. Because if if we don't put your body under a little bit of stress, so we stress the body out by not supplying the food all the time. Then it kills those cells and they can actually use them as fuel. And that's where we start to see things like the use of ketones or a ketogenic diet. Now, in the event that you know you have adrenal dysfunction or you think you do, before you dive into intermittent fasting, make sure you're working with someone. Because if you have adrenal dysfunction, you have adrenal fatigue, you really need to manage how and if you do any intermittent fasting at all. Typically, you want to get your adrenals relatively strong prior to diving deep into intermittent fasting. So where can we go with the intermittent fasting? 12 hours. My strategy is typically that I give my clients, and I know there's, there's a lot of good stuff right now. You, you Google keto and how to do it in intermittent fasting. I like to teach your body to become fat adaptive. So we're not going to rush into anything. We're just We're literally just trying to get your body to learn how to burn fat for fuel. And also along the way, increase what's called autophagy, which is the killing off of cells. So I do 12 hours of starting point, and then do that for two weeks straight. Even if you wake up and you're really hungry, resist the urge to eat. Have your water, you know, your coffee, your green tea. You can you can drink, but just don't put anything you have to digest into your body. Then after two weeks of doing that successfully, add two hours. Then you go up to 14 hours. So you got 14 hours. You do that for two weeks, and then you go to 16 hours, and you do that for two weeks. So now you know you're you're six weeks into this of becoming fat adaptive. So you're teaching your body. You're not going to constantly be bumping up the insulin. You're not going to bump bump up the, the you know the uh, the blood sugar levels, and you're going to make your body go search for fuel which means it's gonna break down those bad, the weaker cells and start to burn fat for fuel. And that's exactly what we wanna to do to break through some of this cellular toxicity. Now on the other level, this is if you suspect that you have cellular toxicity. So, and we haven't even dove into medications and drugs, especially antibiotics, folks. If you've been on antibiotics, and, and sometimes it's not a direct a direct reflect, like you go on antibiotics and gain weight next week, Although for some people it is. If you have over time used a round or two this year, a round or two last year, one the follow, you know, the previous year, then you didn't have any. But you look back, and over the last eight to ten years, you've been on antibiotics eight or ten times. That by itself, by breaking down and polluting, uh, breaking down your gut flora, which then makes you more vulnerable to taking on all of these different toxins I'm talking about you start to develop a body that's not efficient anymore. And as a result of it, you you develop weight loss resistance. So I understand that, You know, there's a time and a place for an antibiotic, but every time you get a head cold and every time they get a little sinus infection, that's probably not the time and place for it. So we have to be real gentle and make sure that if we're going to use them, we even have a strategy of what we're going to do to rehab ourselves afterwards. So if there is weight, if you think that cellular toxicity, your lipid layers have gotten fat, and all of us should be thinking that they are, that they've become toxic on it. You become toxic in that lipid layer. Find yourself a practitioner that's very familiar with this not only you know getting your diet right like yes following a a paleo type diet following some kind of keto type diet where you get the food rights the food the food topics right and that's not rocket science listen if it i call god's garden if it comes from a you know a plant a a tree walks in the garden or swims in the sea eat it and then we can define it down afterwards but that has to be the minimal starting point the reason you want to work with a practitioner is because what happens over long periods of time and I don't think that this is discussed enough or talked about enough even even as in the practitioner world is that the organs of digestion the organs that are that are speeding up and slowing down our metabolic activity things like our pancreas our liver our gallbladder our kidneys uh, our stomach they have taken an ass whipping over the years and as a result of it They're not functioning as good. It's like having a bicep that's been overworked. We have to rehab them. So in in my clinic, very specifically, if we identify which organ may not be functioning at its best, or we take collectively that entire digestive system, not not just the gut flora, but your stomach, the gallbladder, the pancreas, the liver, all of them, and we rehab the system while we're also... Incorporating the proper foods and rehabbing the system may be in very specific supplementation. So, for example, for the gallbladder, I use very, very uh, high dense concentrated uh, supplements that are beet based. And beets are fantastic for flushing out the gallbladder to help us in, like get rid of excess estrogens that are built up to increase the amount of bile. That's one of the simplest things. If we don't have enough bile in our body, you can't eliminate. So I see people with fantastic diets, but because they can't get the toxins out of their body, because their liver is overtaxed and their gallbladder is overtaxed, they can't lose weight. So that's the strategy. And that's where It's probably going to be beneficial that you kind of seek out someone that can help you with a good strategy. And it's not that hard. You just need the right strategy to move you forward and then watch your body get to an ideal weight. And truth is, I would venture that everyone listening to this right now probably would end up a lot lighter than you'd imagine. As long as you stay the course and you trust the process, you're not saying, oh, this is just going to part time gig for me. I'm not going to try this diet. I'm going to follow this through as a lifestyle. And when you can do that, when you finally convert this desire into a lifestyle, that's when the victory comes. That's no doubt about it. anything with our health. Once we can convert it into a lifestyle, that's where the true victory comes. So. Ending this, the final thing is one of, the, one of the more important things that I see kind of messed up all the time is doing the same thing over and over again. So if you have a certain workout and you have a certain diet that has gotten you great results, understand that the longer you do them, as time goes by and your body changes, you will continue to get more and more diminished results. So diet variation workout variation are critical. So it's absolutely imperative that we change up our diet. Most of us, and I'm guilty as any, we eat the same food over and over again. Chicken, eggs, fish, you know, over and over and over again. So it's important that we create diet variation. And especially if you're out there and you've, you've really dove into the ketogenic lifestyle and you dove into intermittent fasting, we're not designed to intermittent fast all the time we absolutely must be incorporating feast days. I'm going to go a step farther, and I'm going to dive into this in another podcast when it's going to be all about intermittent fasting and keto, but uh, just kind of a little prelude here is that the intermittent fasting should also really be seasonal, meaning that during the summer and the fall, you know, we we plant every everything gets planted and starts to bud in the spring, and then it's available for us to eat, and the animals are out, and the vegetables are out, and the fruits are out during the summer and the fall. Eat away. That's that's our feast. But then when come the winter comes, and then it comes, you know, early spring and there's no food on the ground, that's famine. Unfortunately, one of the biggest challenges that we have in culture right now is that we typically as a culture we feast during the winter we have thanksgiving we have christmas we have new years and this is one of the reasons we've completely polluted our bodies and we see so much excessive weight gain and then come january we're doing everything we can just to kind of lose the weight that we've gained in the last couple of months all right folks well i hope you enjoyed this this simple health this simple health podcast and again this is this is for you send it out to your friends send it out to your family Make sure you tune in on iTunes. Listen again. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Health Made Simple podcast. If you have a question or email you'd like me to answer or a topic you want me to cover, just go ahead and send us an email. To get my simple health tip on a daily basis, follow me on Facebook at Dr. Bart Precourt. And remember, your body is designed to be healthy. So let's make this the healthiest year of your life. by are taking more action than you ever have before.